Today we're going to take a look at the work of Irving Penn, who was one of the more significant editorial photographers of the 20th century. Now to me there are two very important things about Penn's work. First of all, you have a photographer who was equally comfortable in both the commercial world and the fine art world. A lot of the images that we're going to look at today were originally created as magazine spreads, and today we see them on the walls of art galleries and museums. I think that's very significant because there aren't a lot of artists who are able to cross that bridge. Second of all, I think it's very impressive that Penn was a photographer who continued to evolve his entire life. He started out as a graphic designer, sort of fell into being a photographer while he was at Vogue magazine, became one of the best photographers in the mid-20th century, and then went on to become an excellent printer. By the 1970s, he was experimenting with platinum and palladium process, his use of color work. A lot of these things are just, they show an expansion of an artist throughout their entire career. In fact, before he died, when he was in his 70s, that's an age where most people are starting to slow down, and Penn was going at full throttle his entire life. To give you some context around Penn's work, I think it's important to look at what was happening in the fashion magazine industry in New York at that time. The two big competitors were Harper's Bazaar and Vogue magazine. And I think the best way to think of it is somewhere between Mad Men and The Devil Wears Prada. It was a very competitive business. And Harper's Bazaar were noted as bringing in a young designer named Alexei Brodovich to come in and overhaul their visual identity. And this was a very significant move and he made an enormous impression in the history of graphic design. Uh, Brodovich, it was a Russian emigre who came to the United States. And part of his overhaul of their visual identity was to have something that was very photography-based, but also to incorporate elements of what at that time was modern art. So he worked a lot with contemporary artists. So people, photographers such as Henri Cartier-Bresson, um, Martin Munkauchi, and then artists as well such as Salvador Dali, much later with Andy Warhol. But it was a reflection of what was happening at what was then modern art. And Brodovich also taught at a school in Philadelphia, and Irving Penn was a student in graphic design there at that school. He would spend his summers coming up to New York and interning at Harper's Bazaar. And after he graduated, he took a year off. He eventually became the art director at Saks Fifth Avenue, and a year after that was hired to be an art director at Vogue magazine. What's interesting is during his time at Vogue, he was concepting and coming up with what would be spreads and covers for the magazine, and then these ideas would be handed off and they would work with the staff photographers to realize these ideas. And what was interesting is he was working for Alexander Lieberman at that time, and at some point Lieberman said, well, why don't you just start making your own photographs? You're coming up with the ideas. And so they set up a studio with an 8x10 camera and gave him some assistance, and he became a photographer, and he became quite good at it. And eventually this is what he became known for. Irving Penn tend to work in two genres. He did portraits and still lifes, and this is really what he was known for. In this video, we're just going to look at portraits. I think it's a lot to try to do in one video to look at his entire catalog, but I just want to look at portraits and then I'll do a separate video talking about the still life work. Now for this video, I'm going to be using this book, which is called Irving Penn Beyond Beauty, which is a catalog for an exhibition that is actually going to be opening at the Dallas Museum of Art in April. And I mentioned it last time, and I'll do an announcement video on this in the next couple days, but we are going to do a meetup for the art of photography there. And part of what is going to happen is we're going to get a private tour of the exhibition with my friend Sue Canterbury, who is the curator of American art in Dallas. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very different than what we do normally on a meetup. There's 140 
40 uh, images in this exhibition. A lot of them have never been seen, and it also includes several 8mm films, and these are things that Irving Penn's daughter has that they're going to show in the exhibition. They've never before been seen, and a lot of them feature Irving working. So I'll put a link to this book in the show notes if you guys are interested in getting a copy of it. It is quite excellent. It's an excellent comprehensive overview of Penn's work. It's not exhaustive, but it's a catalog for the exhibition, so it mainly centers on work that is going to be in this show. So we're going to look at some images here, and as I mentioned earlier, I want to make a note here that, you know, I mentioned that Penn was a photographer who continued to evolve his whole career, and by the 1970s, he became really interested in platinum palladium process and became an extremely good printer using that method. And so the images in this book are taken from the exhibition, and so they are reproductions from prints, not negatives. And so what's interesting is the differences between the two. So this image on the right here of uh, Jeremy Spencer, this is a, a uh, silver gelatin process and has a very smooth look to it, whereas the contrasting image on the left here is a platinum palladium process. And the difference that you're going to see is these tones in, in the background. You get a lot more textures that come out. There's a richness to it. Maybe kind of hard to pick up on the video, but there's a slight tonality that comes out of it too. It's not just gray and white or shades of gray. And I think that's important to note. And so a lot of these images, like particularly like this one of Giacometti, for instance, these were done in 1950, but the prints were much later in the 70s. And so I've, I find that fascinating when you look at artists who revisit their own work. Photography lends itself really well to that because the whole idea of the process is something that is reproduced. So you make it a negative traditionally and you print that by hand and then there's beauty in the variances between the prints because they're being done by hand. Or even today where you take a digital file and then that's reproduced as a print as well. However, it has changed quite a bit now in the digital age because things aren't done by hand so they're not uh, viewed the same way. But anyway, I did want to note that because you're going to see a lot of that in this book. So some of what we're looking at is earlier works that are reinterpreted uh, by much older and more mature pens. So I think that's interesting to note. Um, I want to start kind of with some of these really early images. And so I mentioned that Penn had his training as a graphic designer. And upon graduation, uh, he decided to take a year off. And I suppose like in England, you call this a gap year. And the idea was that he wanted to travel the American South and go down through Mexico. And his objective was to paint during this time. He carried some canvases and brushes with him. The irony is that he did absolutely no painting and ended up using his camera the whole time. So what you see during this year are a lot of these images that are definitely not as refined or as matured as his style became later. But it's really interesting, I think, from a academic perspective to be able to study these. And what you see is not a photographer who is under deadline pressure or uh, constraints of magazines, but somebody who's finding their style and discovering what it is they want to do. There are elements of these early images that you see in later work, but it's just definitely less refined at this point. Um, you know, street photography and photojournalism was really big at this point. So you do see, you know, stuff like these two barbers outside. But what's particularly interesting to me is that you start to see experimentation into the two styles that Penn would be working in later, mainly still life and then also portraits. And we're going to talk about that because there is kind of a blending of the two. This is a kind of a famous image from this period that has a surrealistic kind of humorous quality to it where you have this illustration of a family and the, um, the image is labeled sign with child's head missing, Louisiana, 1941. And so the conceptual thinking that comes out in these, um, probably an influence from surrealism and, and, and what was then modern art. Um, if we go into some of these two, you start to see these portraits and these are really nicely done. And 
particularly this one, uh, where you start to see Penn bring into question, you know, what makes a portrait? How do you bring someone's personality out? How do you, um, how do you take a portrait? And one thing I want to note in here too is this, this kid is standing next to a corner here, which is inverted. And th this comes back in his later work. And I don't know if this particular image influence that in any way, but we're going to see that in a second. I think that that is definitely worth noting. So once Penn starts taking photographs when he's working for Vogue, some of these early portraits that I want to talk about, this is not super early, but this is 1946, this one on the left, and uh, sorry about the glare. This is labeled uh, Mr. and Mrs. Henri Cartier-Bresson. This is Cartier-Bresson with his first wife, who was a Javanese dancer, and they married in, I think, 1937 or so. Anyway, but what we see is a portrait that's made of the husband and wife, and elements of their culture and personality are included in the portrait. Bresson is holding a camera slightly below his belt, and his wife, obviously, in her traditional dance um, costume, and then this pattern that they're photographed against. So it does have the minimal qualities that we get from Penn's work, uh, from the studio stuff that he did, but at the same time, it's a direction that he didn't really continue to go into. You see Arnold Newman doing this later with the environmental portrait. But I think that's that's particularly interesting. The other thing that's worth noting too is I mentioned Penn works in still life and portraits, and in some cases you start to see those elements cross and combine. And so some of these portraits combine elements of having these past master types of still lifes, like this woman with the cantaloupe and butterflies and and accessories for fashion. Um, we see that a lot. Here's another kind of quasi environmental portrait. This is John Cage. Um, who was an avant-garde composer who most notably wrote pieces for what he called prepared piano. So he would jam screws and erasers and various things in the keys and then write music using those with this altered piano, which is quite interesting. Then I want to talk about the corner portraits, and you're going to see one of them here. And uh, I don't know exactly when this started, but at some point um, there were basically hinged, I guess it was two pieces of drywall or something that were in Penn's studio, and he began to photograph subjects against that corner. And what's interesting is Penn shot a lot of celebrities. So in contrast to a lot of the photojournalism work, or even a lot of the work that was being done at Harper's Bazaar, where everything was on set, on location, uh, there was usually a vibrancy with the models or the celebrities they were using, showing them, uh, you know, kind of an everyday life setup, so to speak. Penn went the opposite direction and had a very casual approach, but still very beautiful approach to his pictures. So he started putting people in this corner, and there were there was another prop that he had too, which was this wadded up carpet, and he would have people sit here. And so you, you see these wonderful portraits here, Salvador Dali. But it, as Penn says, what happened was you strip away all of the extra stuff that comes with being a celebrity and you're left only with that person and then what they can do with an object that is, you know, to be honest, quite uncomfortable. So this one kind of combines that corner idea with the, with the piece of carpet that they're sitting on. But you see different people that look different when they're put in this particular position. And I think this is really interesting. Like, how does a dancer interpret this? And so Penn's feeling was is that you drew more of the personality out of the person sitting when you approach it from this direction, kind of this no-frill setup to portrait photography that is also consistent from photo shoot to photo shoot. So it's it's really quite interesting because you don't see really anybody do that these days. This was reinterpreted into a large group portrait, which you saw a lot of during that that era. You don't see as much anymore, but this is a uh, this is a New York theatrical producers group from 1947, and so there's two shots here. This was the lighting setup and test shot, and then the next day when they shot the group shot. But they were all done famously on the idea of the folded up carpet too, which I think is 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 uh, 
is quite interesting. Um, moving up a little bit, um, pen style starts to evolve, and I think this is where it gets particularly interesting. Penn loved working and shot a lot, and he was on a photo shoot uh, down in Cusco, which is in Peru. It was in December, and there was a shot for Vogue magazine. And after the shot was over, all the crew basically went home for the holidays, and Penn stayed behind to do some personal work. And he and his assistant shot these images um, in Peru, and I think these are absolutely gorgeous. Um, there's a cultural element that comes out of them. This is obviously a beautiful platinum plate and print of this. Um, this is a behind-the-scenes shot of Penn working on this shot with these two children. But using just base the basic tile and then a simple background, backdrop and again really trying to get those personalities to come out. The still life aspect does come out I suppose because you have a table in this shot and there are various props in different places but it's a more mature style. Um, it is without the constraints of, of uh, professional work. It is just personal work at this point but these are just gorgeous. Um, this one this is uh, three men in masks with rope and uh, this one is uh, two sitting men in white masks both from 1948 and they're absolutely gorgeous and again you're going to start to see this style evolve um, later on when we see portraits like this um, these are obviously platinum palladium prints um, you have uh, uh, these Parisians that are in here and you know the bread is props but there's a simplicity that comes out in that in a certain beauty obviously the fact they're done in black and white um, is very unique um, these are platinum palladium prints from accounts that I've read, Penn did not like to work in color nearly as much, and that is not uncommon uh, with photographers from this era. And I'm just going to talk about this later, but I'm going to bring it up now. Um, I love this image on the right. Uh, it's a shepherdess with a sheep, and it's this is much later. This is 1971, but it's done in color. Um, it is very subtle, I think, in many ways. Um, there's a quietness to the image, and it's just a very simple, minimal, beautiful portrait um, of this woman, and you can tell what she is because she's holding a sheep. And I just really think there's an elegance to that. Now, Penn didn't prefer to do color work, but his color work was outstanding, and I think he was really good at it. The move to color, um, most likely because he shot editorial work, the fact that magazines were being printed in color uh, later on probably dictated a lot of that. Um, but, you know, if you've ever done any printing work, you know that as a photographer with black and white, you have an enormous amount of control. Um, you can get into alternative processes like he was doing with platinum palladium. With color, it's either on or it's not. And there's a lot less control you have over the image and your own personal stamp that you can put on things. And I think that's one of many reasons why artists typically produce, or photographers in general prefer to work in black and white. I want to talk about a series of images here too, and these were obviously fashion shots that were done. But there was a period where Penn, this is kind of one thing he did, was kind of use this sense of metaphor in the image. And I remember this is somebody with a design background, so that conceptual thinking that goes into things. And the metaphor here is using women and birds is kind of the metaphor. And you see this repeated um, throughout a great deal of work here. Here's another shot, and it's just a simple hand, but you almost start to see this figure of a bird coming through. This. Uh, this one's really quite obvious um, where the way she's holding this hood almost looks like a beak. It's an absolutely beautiful shot. And this is much later. This is 1990. So this was, um, this was a more mature and refined pen, but still using that sense of metaphor and still using that conceptual thinking that goes into the picture. For instance, this corner shot with Truman Capote. I mean, you, you've stripped everything away except this awkward chair that he's propped up against and then he's leaning up against the wall. And there's even kind of an element of psychology that starts coming into play with some of these images. And finally, I want to end on this shot. And this is from 1986. So this is much later, but 
but I probably don't need to point out who this is a portrait of. Uh, but in case you don't know, this is 12 Hands of Miles Davis and His Trumpet from 1986. And, you know, I think that because, you know, you have a long career out of pen and you see this maturing of style and, and to shoot a celebrity, and we'll put it this way, if you're working for a magazine publication, nine times out of ten they want to see the celebrity, so it's going to be a headshot. And to work with Miles Davis and simply illustrate that just through various hand positions, I think is particularly interesting. Um, it is conceptual in nature, it, but it allows the viewer to come to the conclusion themselves. And this is one of my favorite works. Um, it's hard to pick a favorite, they're all amazing, but uh, this kind of represents some of the sense of humor and also the maturity that Penn had as a portrait photographer. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this video. Uh, Irving Penn was an amazing photographer and I've always had a fondness for his work, both conceptually and a lot of the ways he, he approached thinking about the image, and then also the aesthetically, the way it really represents what was going on in the mid-century, particularly in New York and fashion and all that stuff. And I just think the world of Penn, I think he was a fabulous photographer. And I will have news coming out about our meetup very shortly, so you need to remember to subscribe to the channel so you'll be up to date. And if you guys enjoyed this video, please remember to like it and share it with your friends, and I'll see you guys in the next video. Till then, later.